Welcome to Getting Curious. I'm Jonathan Benes, and every week I sit down for a 40-minute conversation with a brilliant expert to learn all about something that makes me curious. On today's episode, I'm joined by stage and TV actress, advocate, and friend, Nicola Coughlin, where I ask her, what's it like to be a booked and busy Irish queen? Welcome to Getting Curious. This is Jonathan Venice. I'm very excited for this week's episode because we have a very special guest. And this is like a really exciting episode because it's kind of diff. We have a, but you're... Uh, say something that you think would maybe let people in on who you are. Well, some people might know me as the wee lesbian from Dairy Girls. Oh my God! <laughs> I wasn't ready for you to jump out at me like that. So most of you, uh, if you do know who that is, that's gorgeous Nicola Coughlin from Netflix's Dairy Girls, which is also really in the United Kingdom and Ireland, so-and-so's Dairy Girls. So Channel 4 it started on. Yes. Um, it was a Channel 4 show, then Netflix bought it. Bought it. So now it is Netflix's. Yeah, and then we were like filming series two, and we, there was like a Hollywood Reporter article that was like, it's going on Netflix like in a week. And we were like, that's weird. And then we, I came to New York with Louisa and met you there. And um, That was the weekend that that happened? It happened like two weeks before, but then when we were there, like people everywhere we went, they knew who we were. And I was the like, Harry Potter is- weekend? Yeah, the Harry Potter weekend. <laughs> yeah. But I was like, this is so crazy. Like, in JFK, people came up to me straight away. I was like, this is so weird. So that would, do you feel like that was the weekend where things, where you were like, oh, wow, this is such a big shift this I week? I think, it, yeah, because you like, you get messages from all over, but then when you see actual human beings in another country that know who you are, and I feel like people in New York were so nice. They go up and they're like, love your show. And they go away and like, that's just so sweet. Thank you. I think New York gets like a bad <laughs> rep for that in the sense that like, I mean, yeah. you, you hear like, I mean, not ever having really been from New York. I'd, I've been living in New York for a couple of years now, but it's like, I always thought that people would be, you know, based on movies and TV, like a little gruff, a little like moving super quick. You'd be like, hey, get out of here. Yeah, but they're not. They're so nice. No, they're such cutie pies. I love them. I mean, every once in a while you can obviously, but anyone can be like that anywhere. Yeah, we've all had those days. So I was minding my own business this one day in 2018, Mm -hmm. and um, I met you on Instagram. Uh, I didn't know Dairy Girls yet. I met you on Instagram because you made this really cute jumper that made me really emotional. And then I like started crying when I saw that video, and then I put it on my Insta stories. And so that's how I met you. So like I I think Dairy Girls had just come out like a little bit before Queer Eye, and then when Queer Eye came out, I was like, oh, this is just like so through the best thing, and I loved you so much. But it wasn't on Netflix. It, it was only on, on Channel Netflix, 4. Yeah, it was only on Channel so 4. So I couldn't have seen it in America. No, you wouldn't have seen it, no. And then... But I, I would like, have wanted to have. Yeah, of course. Oh, oh, so what? obviously if you now God uh, <laughs> loves us. You know what I, I mean? Know. Okay, so anyway. No, but I saw you and I was like, I feel like that's a soul sister and I've not met this person, but I love this person. And I'm like a baby who hates getting up in the morning and on set you have to get up at like four in the morning. It's disgusting. And I was like, if I had a picture of this Jonathan on a jumper to wear to set, I would get up at four and not be such a cranky baby. So I made it and then I couldn't find one. So I made it and it came and then I put it on Instagram and then you saw it. I was like, oh my God. And then we like started messaging. So (laughs) I am shocked that you're not a morning person. You're, are you kidding? Really? I know. Yeah. I'm, I'm, no, I'm like, not kidding. I'm known for like the drivers who put me up for work. Like I'll get in with my pillow and I'll like, I'm just quiet. 
I think. I'm just sleepy. I'm so happy in the morning. You are. I know with your coffee dances. You're I think so- it was like literally like, oh my God, I can't believe I woke up. <laughs> like, yes. I felt like that this morning because I was sick yesterday. Uh, and I woke up feeling so good this morning that I literally just smiled to myself in my bed. I was like, that's a great feeling. I love that. Okay, yeah. but no. But yeah. this is the point of today's episode. Well, yes. I have 18,000 questions. Yes. One, you're from... Go away. In West of Ireland, the Republic of Ireland. Yes, so you're yes. in, but you're from Ireland. Yes. Literally. Literally. Ireland. You are born and raised in Ireland. <laughs> I was born in a hospital called the Portiuncula. Try and say that six times fast. So, because, you know, here's one thing I didn't know about Ireland when I just, because I only had to go to Dublin for like a day. You did. When yeah, I no. was just there a, a little bit ago. And, um, I didn't know, ugh, this might make me seem thick, but no. I didn't know that there was like a different language in Ireland. I love that you just said thick because I feel like that means we've brought you over here. I feel like you're getting all the little words and like, I am. it's making me really happy. Thick means like dense America. Yeah. And like you said something the other like, like, do you fancy him the other day? I was like, oh my God, ah. look at you. Um, yes. So there's a different language, Irish. Um, so if I spoke a little bit, uh, Nicola Nicoclaudis and I'm done, it's Ascali of May. I think I just said that in the wrong grammar, but it's fine. No, I, I didn't know you were bilingual. I mean, not really. I mean, it's but also... You guys have to learn. Is it, is, it, is it not Gaelic? It's, so we call it Irish. Oh my God. Oh, yeah. oh my God. I'm so rude. You're not rude. Oh, oh my God. You just headbutt in the microphone. Don't. It's not worth no, it. It's Irish. No, it's fine. No, because you hear that and all. How dare me? How dare you get out of the room? Fucking British colonizer of <laughs> Ireland. Stop taking me my rights again. No, we call it. You're right. So no, Irish. It's okay. So Irish, we call yeah. it. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so wait, do you learn that in school? You learn it in school. So I learned it from like four to 17. And then like, I, I mean, I understand it, but then I get really like embarrassed to try and speak it because I'll fuck it up. Um, can I you say did. anything in Spanish? No. Okay. So, but in Spanish, okay, well, okay, yeah. really quickly. Okay. So, in Spanish, there's like this thing with like conjugating verbs, right? Where you're mm-hmm. like, it's like, you know, like um, if we were to do, you know, um, uh, 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 cantar to sing. Uh-huh. I sing as, you know, yo canto. They, like you sing as like cantas. Uh, like she si, sings si. or he sings as like canta. If like we sing as like cantamos. So, that's how, so how do you conjugate in Irish. Oh, God. Irish. Okay. How's that um, work? Oh, God. So it's, it's cana in Irish, which is, like, weirdly similar. Um, oh, yeah, that's called a cognate. Yeah, so tatue cana means you're singing. Interest. Yeah. Um, tame cana means singing. Toshive cana, year, year, like, as a group singing. What about we're singing? Oh my god, I didn't know. I feel like this feels like my Irish. So it's Spanish, like no. So it's Spanish. It's like (laughs) the conjugation. It's like oasa, amos is on. There's like a cute or like oase, amos is in. Oh my god, I did French in school too. You did? Yeah. Okay, let's talk about. Wait, so stand by. Part of the one of the questions I want to ask is like, what's it like to be from Ireland? Um, cute. I like it. So the place I'm from, Galway, is sort of the friendliest city in the world by Lonely Planet, which I'm very proud of. Uh, yeah, it's a teeny tiny little city. How many people are from there? Oh my god, I don't know. You how many people live there? And I, I did. Yeah, but I don't. I don't even know. I'm so Should bad. Should we Google it? Yeah, Google it because okay. I don't know. Like I remember being like, I remember how many people were in my university in 2007. That's not. What's the name of it? It's, well, it's Galway. G A L W A Y. Gorgeous. So it's like a little city. On the west coast of Ireland, we're right in the Atlantic, so a lot of rain and and it's you know it's but it's very cute. It's a lovely place to be from. Galway, Ireland, population seventy nine thousand in twenty sixteen. It says 
Oh my god, yeah, that. Okay. That's kind of big. I mean, but it's, it's spread out. Like the it's actual middle of the city is super small. You could walk it in like five minutes. She's it's, really pretty. It's pretty, isn't it? I'll bring you there. My mom will be dying to meet you. So, you know, like when I think about like America, I yes. think big proportion sizes. Mm-hmm. I think extreme patriotism. Yes. I think um, Fourth of July, honey. I'm thinking founding fathers. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking mm-hmm. like, you know, Turkey on Thanksgiving. Like what are the things that... Yeah, 1776. <laughs> I'm thinking like, but I'm also thinking like... You know, I slavery comes to mind. Like a lot of like upsetting yeah. things come to. And there's like a pain body that is like being American. You know, it's like yeah, or just like being aware of like the things that have like happened in America. Like you know, there's some really amazing things. Like it, it can be land of the free and home of the brave, but yeah. it can also have other things. Like it's just like everyone I think in America has like their own idea of like the cultural you know, pain that anyone has been through, like, from coming from there. So, like, you know, it's like Eckhart Tolle talks about, like, the pain body. Like, what's, like, the pain, like, what's what's the pain body of, like, Ireland? Like, what's, like, to be from Ireland? Like, what's what's the deal? It's, like, I mean, there's always things that you're super proud of about where you're from, and then there's things that you go, oh, God. Like, at the moment, like, to start with the negative, but there's a huge homelessness issue in Ireland, and it's this real shame thing. And then there was, like, the two referendums that we fought for marriage equality and for for choice for women. Those were two really big things, and that was a really proud moment of, like, fighting for those, and I campaigned for both of those. But it's, like, the people that kicked back against those, it was very vicious. And I think, like, we see the rise of the right all across the world right now, but in Ireland it became, like, there were certain points, especially during, the the choice referendum where I was in a play at the Danmar warehouse here in London and I was like I'm going to be really active about it and I'm going to be really and do all this stuff and then one day like I just felt really ill because I think I was getting like so much trolling online and all, like, about all this stuff that our stage manager Sarah sat me down and she was like you stop you gotta stop because you're just gonna get ill and you're gonna so th- knowing that amount of vitriol and all that stuff is pretty gross what year was that? that was last no and that was twenty. 20- no, 2018, 2018. So 18 was women's or people's, women's autonomy to choose, people's right to choose yes, yes. Um, for, you know, their reproductive health and for abortion. And then in 2014 was when Ireland passed marriage equality, wasn't it? Is it 2014 or 2015? I think it was, oh, I, gosh, I feel okay. like, I think I researched this when I was in Dublin. I think it was 14. But the point is, is yeah. that Ireland was the first country to pass same-sex marriage by popular vote. Yeah. Not by like court, you know, ruling or nope, it was by, by popular vote, which yeah. is really incredible. I think, you know, when you think about Ireland, you know, having been a, a, a historically Catholic. Yeah, really Catholic like, country. People, yes. view, But people are funny. Like they view it as we often do. I mean, we view it like we see it in movies and stuff. So like people will be like, oh, is it just there's just like four potatoes that you all share and then all the babies drink whiskey. You're like, not really. Um, but it was like that time, like I went door to door campaigning with my sister for it and then it also I think sometimes makes you question your own prejudices because sometimes we'd knock on a door and some like older man would open it I was like he's gonna be a bigot and it's awful because you've made these assumptions and you're like well I am so tuned in and then you'd speak to them and they totally wouldn't be and they'd be open you go oh my god I was just deciding what their views were going to be that's just as bad like that's terrible so because your advocacy and your outspokenness on Mm. both of these issues because I mean I followed you on Twitter when I met you on the gram and on Instagram way back when and so I've seen you be or you know advocate in your space and then when I saw Dairy Girls just absolutely like blow up which has been so exciting and it's like Mm. such a good show and you're doing like so many things but I've always looked up to your advocacy your, adv- oh, your activism you. and your advocacy ever since I've met you. And so, you know, I think it's really cool that you've been able to do that, like, as your, you know, profile has risen. Um, speaking about going door to door, though, when you're advocating for mm-hmm. same-sex marriage in Ireland, did you ever have an experience where, like, you had to, like, um, 
like, did you ever convince someone and was it ever successful? Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, people, there's so much scaremongering things. And I think that's the problem with the way that elections have gone nowadays. And everything is such a binary. And they're like, you're either this or this. And there's literally nothing in between. And we're just fighting one another. And I think what it is about having those conversations. I mean, I'm totally guilty of it, of going on Twitter and being like, I believe this thing. And then when someone questions you, you, you just want to be like, Bleh. but I think yeah. if you go to someone's front door of their house, you've got to be willing to listen and talk back. And I think that's a huge thing that's missing in the world right now. But yeah, there was some people who were like, well, I don't see why I just wanted to change marriage. And you go, okay, that's valid if you think that, but you know, it won't. And it's just, this is what this person wants to do. And, you know, you just, it's just about listening to people and going, what's your concerns? Okay, I hear them. Let's see if I can help you out of that. But yeah, we did. What were the concerns? That it would change the institution of marriage. <coughs> Sorry. No, that again, it would change the institution of marriage, that it would like make their, I don't like the, there was some really ignorant stuff, like someone was like, what's stopping people marrying their car? And my friend Davey, who was there at my party the other night, he was like, um, and he was like, okay, he's like, well, between, for me, he was like, you know, marriage is between two consenting adults, but clearly for you, it's between a man and something he wants to have sex with. <laughs> oh, yes, I see, yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's incredible. Oh, oh my gosh. Um, so that is just like a funny like um, visual I have to give everyone. So I have my back to the recording booth class of this room that Nicole and I are in. And I think that our friend Emily's been wildly waving the brakes sign for minutes. Um, so Nicola just saw it. Anyway, uh, we're going to take a really quick break. We're going to be right back with more Nicola Coughlin right after this. And more Getting Curious. Hey. Oh, welcome back to Getting Curious. This is Jonathan Vaness. We have Nicola Coughlin, star of Dairy Girls. She is a trained actress, a theater extraordinaire, also a dear friend, and also you're a gorgeous Irish person. Yeah. And I was like curious about like what it is to, you know, come from Ireland and, and obviously like all the other things in the advocacy as well. Um, and so that's where we were, is we yes. were talking about that. So, but you were, you changed the hearts and minds of like people that you met like in real life. Which is amazing. And that's much more important. I mean, I totally agree that we live in an echo chamber when it comes to the internet even though I think the more followers you get online it's much harder because people get really vitriolic towards you and stuff and even I was lucky enough I visited a children's hospice right before Christmas um, because I was asked I, was, I did a TV show which is not going to be out till the new year it was like a quiz show which I had to choose a charity to promote and I got really overwhelmed I was like every charity is valid oh my god who do I give the money to and my niece and nephews are like my life so I was like if anything happened to them I don't know what I'd do so there's a one children's hospice in Ireland called Laurelin. If anyone's considering ever donating to them, they're incredible. But I went to visit them and um, had an amazing time. But then the other day, someone started like attacking me over it. It was like, well, you want women to have abortions. How dare you? And like tagged in the children's hospice and stuff like that is like, and I don't really get rattled very often, but that I was like, that's so grim that you've done that. You know, like, I don't know, but you'll, there's all sorts of people online. And I'm like, you know, I actually went out and, and did something and you just sat at home attacking me. So, so yeah. how do you deal with that? I think you can't take it too seriously. I don't let too much of it get in on me. And but it does. Like it fucks yeah. me up. Like that would fuck me up. There's been like I mean I think think for me the I mean um, I yeah those instances really mess me up and I do yeah. think that, that the ability of like being selectively permeable like not holding those negative experiences in too close because you do do so much work yeah if and, you're gonna take it all in like that it will just wreck you there's some days where I think I'm invincible and then I'm like I feel really crap is that why because I've been letting people shout at me because I've always had like I remember one of my 
teachers in school was like you have a really she said in my report she's like she's got a really keen moral sense she also oh. said she doesn't like anything boring and I was like oh my god that's so true that's true you had it things I, don't change I really get <laughs> bored so easily I'm like meh um, but yeah I've always like had a thing between right and wrong I'm like even I got a fight with the priest when I was a kid you did? I did IRL? yeah over? I came into our class and we have this thing in Ireland called the Trocra box which is basically every Lenten season before Easter you collect money if you want to like eat if you give up chocolate in the Easter, school yeah, you bring it home. You bring the box home. So if you want to like eat your chocolate, you put like, you know, a pound as it was at that time in the box or whatever. And then the priest came in. He was like, you have to give the box back to your local church. And I was like, mm, and put my hand up. I was like, my parents don't. They give it to this church because they went to a different church. And then the priest was like, no. And I was like, well, surely it doesn't matter where the money is coming from. It's where the money is going to these poor children. And I got in so much trouble with him and with the teacher. But then that's how my personality has been for them for the rest of my life. I just hate like bullshit and hypocrisy. I'm like, no, it's going to poor people. It doesn't matter how much you were church raised. Like, meh. So in Ireland, did yes. you go to a public school? I went to most of them are public schools. So not, not fee paying. It's very it's a really rare thing to have a fee paying school. So when it came to England and they were like, are you like middle class or working class? I was like, I've never thought about that. That's weird to me. Oh, people ask that. They're like so into it here. here. Have they not? Like, yeah. No. Yeah, when I went, I went to drama school here, moved over 2008. And they'd be like, yeah, well, I'm really working class. And I'd be like, what? We just don't have that clear delineation of class as much. You know, it's obviously there's richer and poorer and all this stuff, but it's not as much in the culture. But what about separation of church and state? Like, is it so, mean, like, so think, you pray and stuff at school? Like, there'll be like a priest oh, at school? Yeah, 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 yeah. So Ireland's like a very, like, at the government level. Like, there's like Catholicism, <laughs> like, all up in the government. It's a bit, I think it's a big thing. I think it needs to be like, we need to examine it, especially through schools. Because, like, I was like raised Catholic. And then when I was like 17, I was like, not for me, not, not my thing. You know, I'm just not going to do this anymore. And thankfully, my mom was like, pretty fine about it but yeah it's like kids like they have to be baptized in order to go to school and so it's like oh and the catholic schools are like the good schools and i don't like yeah that side of it so is there like is there like um is there like what about like buddhist kids or is there buddhist kids in ireland there was one girl in my class who was baha'i so her parents were from iran but we like loved that like i can't even describe to people how like like your school learned is just all these white kids. So then this girl, Sahar, hello, Sahar, if you're listening, because I still see her in the shop when I go home. But like when she came in, we were like, oh, my God, it's so exciting. Like, you're so different to us and all this stuff. But it was very rare. I mean, I feel like I didn't meet a Jewish person until I was like 19. So there was no <laughs> was Jewish like, kids in school? In, no. Uh, no. So it's just kind of like everyone. So it's just like, so, but, you know, when you were telling me about the... um like, cause I, I, I asked, like, what is like the cultural pain body like for an Irish person when you think mm-hmm. about like how people talk about Ireland or how you know you see Ireland being perceived as an Irish person like who's you know from Ireland yeah. and you mentioned it's like oh like there must be four potatoes and like you know the, yeah. the babies like <laughs> with a whiskey or whatever so it's like is that you know what is the, what is that I mean, do you feel, do you perceive a lot of that like is that perception of Ireland just huge like, yeah big time like I've had people say like I don't think they realize how like bad it can be sometimes but sometimes people will say like throwing a paddy is like an English phrase which means like when you know Irish people will get like drunk and raucous and badly behaved and I'm like oh maybe don't say that that's not the best <laughs> like we don't uh, it's we like don't a stereotypical that. like rude thing yeah and like that's not great and like people don't re- it was a friend of mine who said it and I was like we don't really say that anymore you know it's okay but just maybe not yeah. Um, and people like assume that I'm like not educated and I'm like, I've got, you know, a bachelor's degree. I studied English and classics. I've got my master's degree. And, I, you know, I'm an educated person. People go, you're like, you're Irish. You don't, you know, you're, you don't have, and I'm like, I've got an education. Like I'm, I'm smart. Like I'm, but it's just this thing of like, it's this old, 
I'm going to show you like these old like, English cartoons of like the Irish where they said, you know, our skull shapes aren't right. So it means we're more dumb than the English and stuff. There were like all these things about because they didn't want us to have an independent nation. Yeah. So, that. yeah. So what are the, okay. So how do you understand like, so, you know, because like I learned like in school about like, you know, how the things that we learned about like American school, which like, yeah. albeit a lot of it's super fucked up. So that's not what I'm trying to have. Or, like, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. like how, like what's like that gorgeous like Irish pride of like, because essentially like didn't Ireland like have like its own Brexit? Like, but like, you know, there's like, um because like didn't Britain like used to like govern Ireland? Yes. But then they like, they had their own referendum, but like it was like a war that took like It was more that we were like, get out. And we were like, yeah, it was a big war. <laughs> when was it? Oh God, I'm going to get these dates horribly wrong. Um, we could maybe have a story and tell us that. Like, what do you think you remember from school? What do I remember like, from school? Oh God. Okay, so the Easter <laughs> the Easter Rising was in 1916, where basically oh that was recently yeah. So it was like a bunch of Irish rebels, Michael Collins, James Connolly. They took over these various points in Dublin. So like the GPO, the post office. It's like um, the biscuit factory. Wait, my that. mic just went out. Okay, there it is. Yeah, they took over all these main buildings in Dublin and was like, basically get out, like one of the British... In 1916? 1916, yeah. So then a lot of like Irish people didn't fight in the wars because we were like, we were like our own independent nation. We could rule ourselves. So so people, although my uncle did fight in World War II, just as a side note, because some people are like, no, Irish people fought. I'm like, yes, they did. Because one of my family did. He died a prisoner of war. In World War Two, yes, but wait, it's a whole other. Nineteen sixteen, the rising happened. So up until nineteen sixteen, Ireland was part of Britain. Yeah, honey, I thought the troubles were in like twelve hundred or something. They took for no. seven hundred years or something. No, we call it like six hundred years of oppression. I feel really bad for all the English people recording this. Right now. It's okay. We're just no big deal. We're obsessed with the United Kingdom. I love it. You who did the famine? Yeah, it was. Oh, there's a whole. I mean, there's so many. Wait, the British had something to do with the famine. Yeah. What? So basically, all the potato crops they failed in Ireland because they didn't know about. I can't remember what the thing is, but basically, you're meant to rest the land in between times. You're not meant to grow the same crop in the same land, and they didn't know that. Oh yeah, it's the whole like corn and soybean, corn and soybean. Yeah, I just learned about the other day. Yes, you're meant to alternate the crops, but they were really poor and didn't. So they kept planting and then the whole potato crop failed. But the British basically refused to send the grain over. And then there was like Quakers that came over and they were like, if your name was like Jonathan O'Ness, <laughs> like you're Irish. And they would say, okay, you drop the O from your name and you convert to our religion and we'll feed you and we'll give you the soup. Oh, wait, Irish people did that to Quakers? Yeah, the Quakers came to Ireland and were like, We'll take care of you. We'll feed you, but you just renounce your religion, and we're gonna take. We're gonna anglicize your name. Oh. So it's like if you're Jonathan O'Ness. We're gonna take the O off, and you just become Jonathan Ness, the Quaker. And oh. Because like we'll give you soup. So if you're seen as an Irish person taking things from the English, despite your own nation, you're st- it's still called taking the. Because they're English people, Quakers. Or what? Yeah. Oh, yeah, they yeah, yeah. were. Yeah. Interest. Yeah. Well, it's not interest, but like, you yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's wild, isn't it? So that was, po- that was like between like 1840 and That was the and famine. Like- yes, God, I can't remember the exact. I'm terrible for So days. then, so how, is that how you learn about it in school? Like, or you did your family it. tell you this? But no, you learn oh, about you it in school. Oh, you learn school. about it in school. Yeah, 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 yeah. You do, you do. So you learn about it in school. Yeah, and then that's why like a lot of accents, super interesting, because I know you like accents. So... We, the Irish, like, went in our droves over to the States, and the States was, like, a wonderful place for the Irish people, like, welcomed us in and took us. Because, like, the exodus of people that went over in, like, the coffin ships and stuff and died on the ships and went through Ellis Island and all of this. But our accents are a huge foundation of what the American accent is today. Because if you notice, okay, how do you say the word C-A-R? Car. Okay, how does an English person say it? Um, car. Yes, an Irish person says Car. So oh. that's what they call a rhotic R, that letter. 
So we, like there's way more structural similarities between an Irish accent, we're generalizing Irish accent and the US accent than there is English and American. Interest. <laughs> I always thought that British accents were kind of like, like reminding me of like Southern accents. You, oh, I th- I know what you mean. That sort of this type of one. Like yeah. That. yeah, 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 yeah. You know, just like they have yeah. like their own like very like you know specific yeah. like thing. So, but then in 1916, like the people in Dublin took over and then yeah, and it didn't work. But then they basically the British army captured a lot of the leaders of the of um, the rebellion and killed them in Kilmainham Jail. Oh my God, I hope I'm getting this right. Um, I should have like read Wikipedia before I came in. No, we're going to talk about all this. Right? <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, they're going to be like, I'm going to be like an Oprah was there and Cindy Lauper performed and it was really... <laughs> no, but they shot a lot of like the leaders of the rebellion, okay, that's funny, yeah. which turned them into martyrs. That took such a serious turn. It's like Oprah was there and Cindy Lauper performed. It was just, and then, but basically then, there's because a lot of Irish people didn't support them initially. They were like, you're just causing trouble. But then when the British army like murdered them, they were like, oh shit actually and it kind of drummed up support for it and then I think we had our first so the first female MP in Westminster was a lady called Constance Markovitz she was an Irish uh, Republican she refused to take her seat in Westminster and because she wanted to form her own government in Ireland which they eventually did but then there was this conservative um, MP I can't remember who it was recently that was like oh the first woman elected to government was like Nancy Astor who was like this Nazi and I was like no it wasn't it was literally an Irish woman who like wanted a free Irish state but like I mean yeah we have so many tangents we could go down no well, so yeah. Constance Markovitz amazing but so then like, she was the first first female MP and she did she start the government in Ireland? They, yeah, her. Like, it was like a group of them together that started it. And then, like, God, I can't remember. So Ireland only gained its independence. Oh, oh my God, I'm amazed. This one. Oh, my We're going to take a really quick break. We'll be right back with more right after this. Welcome back to Getting Curious with Jonathan Van Ness. Honey, we have Nicola Coughlin. So tell me, who knew that Ireland was such a young, gorgeous Mm -hmm. nation? But then like our ancient history is like, it was like a really Celtic pagan nation. Remember I told you the other day about like fairy forts and stuff? Yes. So was that. Then Catholicism came in and was like, no, none of that. And then the British, you know, came in and were like, none of this. And then eventually like a lot of our like old names and traditions got brought back with like the birth of the new nation. So like, like a lot of the names like Aoife and Maeve and, you know, all this stuff like Orla, all these names came back in our like traditional sports and, you know, bringing back our language because the British wanted to get rid of Irish. They wanted to repress the language and that came back, made its own like... Resurgence. I love that. Yeah. Okay. So I'm obsessed with that. (laughs) But we also kind of like much forget Britain. Like we're super down. We love you. No, I mean, I live here. You've met my friends, all my my little British friends. Everyone's (laughs) British. I'm obsessed with all of them. Yes. So then you realize when you're a baby. So you like come up in Ireland. You're learning like these interesting things about history. Then you're like, oh my God, love it here. This town's really cute. Love my fam. Things are fun. And then you're like walking down the street in like sixth grade or something. And you're like, oh my God, I think I want to be an actress. Okay, do you know what my first job was? No. I was nine years old. You were? Yeah, I will find it for you, like, online. So I went to an audition when I was nine. with In ja- Dublin? In Galway. In Galway? Yeah, with James Brolin, Barbara Streisand's husband. Wow. Yeah, I did, like, not know who that was or who, like... Obviously, like, since became obsessed with Barbara Streisand massively, obviously. But I was like, that guy's got, like, bushy eyebrows. Like, and I auditioned for the part and, like, didn't get it. But they're like, we want you in for, like, a little scene. And you're going to go and go and you're going to feed swans. 
So that was like my first job. And I got the day off school. I got paid. I like, I think they like brushed my hair where I was like fancy. So I was like, this is obviously the job I want. Clearly. So that was my first ever job. How did you find out about it? Um, my drama teacher at school, they were just like looking for kids. And they were like, yeah. oh, that little Nicholas, she's a little precocious, little cute, smiley yeah. girl. She's like classic youngest child. Uh, were you a little, like, a, wait, no, I saw a picture you're and you were like, yeah, you were like, a, you little, were like it was like that gorgeous, like, like you were like a dark blonde. Yeah, like a dark, like quite, I remember it being like very shiny. I remember like I used to obsess, you know, the Brady Bunch movie when Marsha yes, would like, brush course. her hair. Yes, of course, I loved that part. Yeah, yeah, so that was like, I used to do that at home, like brush my hair, brush my hair. So you realized after that experience that you wanted to be an actress? I think I always wanted to be. I used to get up when I was like five and rewatch The Wizard of Oz again and again and again. And I wanted to be like Judy Garland. Then I was six. I used to watch Beaches and I wanted to be Bette Midler. Loved Beaches. Loved Beaches. Like, so I wanted to be like that. Like, and then I realized when I grew up, they were like, did you want to be a Disney princess? I was like, no, I clearly wanted to be a gay icon, but I didn't know that they were <laughs> gay icons. I was like, all of those like women, I really wanted to be like, but yeah, not so much a Disney princess. <laughs> so then you move, because like, how did you get from Galway to theater school? So I always And wanted- all of your studies, because you had like 18 million degrees when I- we were talking about that a second ago. I know, I, I, my poor parents. I was like, I'm going to do this now. They were like, mm, stop. I think because I was the youngest, I got that little bit more leeway. I was like the last one in the long hours. They were like, okay, whatever. Um, I, well, I, I was working actually acting through when I was in school, but I never told anybody. Because I think I remember, do you remember like the era of like Britney, Christina, you know, Jessica Simpson? Yes. I think I read this interview with Jessica Simpson where she was like, I had a recording contract, but I told my friends and none of them believed me and they thought I was a liar. So I was like, okay, I can't tell anybody that I have acting jobs because they're going to think I'm a liar. So I like kept it completely secret. So I used to go and like get days off school and do like voiceover for cartoons and come back and just like not tell anybody about it. Oh my God, I love that. But yeah, I just like can't remember like when you're a teenager, like a lot of things are very embarrassing. I found an old diary where I was like, oh my God, I was carrying bread in front of this cute guy. I'm going to die. I was like, why was that embarrassing? I don't relate. Like, I love bread. Love bread. Yeah. It's not embarrassing to carry but bread. Everything does feel embarrassing. And it does. I feel like when you're younger. And I feel like because you'd make the cartoons, but they wouldn't come out for like two years. They're like, when can I see it? And this was pre-internet, everyone having internet. So I was like, mm, maybe see it in Sweden in two years. I don't know. Uh, and um, But then I did get like outed as being an actor because <laughs> I did this short movie called The Phantom Nut, which you can find on, on YouTube. I'm going to show it to you. It's like three minutes long. Um, and they played it before this Colin Farrell movie in the cinemas. So everyone at school was like, why were you in a film? And I was like, Bleh. Really and then you were outed. I was outed as an actor. As an, as an actor. I know. So, but, so you did that. So you're already really kind of working as an actress, like, in school. Yes. And then you moved to London. Because you went to, like, didn't you? You went to, like, I feel like you, like, had, like, a theater experience so in school. I did, um, yeah, I wrote a play. I'm a, a, a play about Britney Spears in which I play Britney Spears. <laughs> <laughs> I told you. <laughs> it was based around the, um, the European MTV Awards. Britney Christina were fighting against each other. They were like, it's a tie. They've got to do a dance-off. So, like, Britney and Christina did a dance-off, which I choreographed. And then Daphne and Celeste, do you remember them? No. Oh, stick you, your mama too, and your daddy. You don't remember them? I don't think we had oh, maybe them. They were, oh, my God, it was so good. Okay, they, they were presenting. And then it was like, who's going to win? Britney, Christina. And then an Irish folk singer called Mary Blackwood was the joke at the end. I thought, uh, I thought I was in SNL. What an original. I was, I was 12. It was my writing career peaked very early. <laughs> yeah. So I did that play. But no, then I went to university after school because I was only 17 leaving school. I was a baby. So I studied English and classical civilization. 
I in university? In university. And I also did a year um, studying abroad in Malta. Lived in Malta for a year. Oh, interesting. I yeah. feel like Queen Elizabeth loves it there. She did. That was her, She said it was her favorite place she ever lived with Philippe. Oh. Yeah, she loved it. What a, do you watch The Crown? I love The Crown. What I was about to say who I really fancy on The Crown. And love. I, I don't want to say I don't want to say it, but I'll tell you afterwards. Oh. Are you going to see? Like my, my, Whenever I, I think I can whisper into the microphone, Emily always has to like um, <laughs> delete it out because she always can very clearly hear everything that mm. I think that the microphone gave Just because the acting right here is so small, I will run into them. And then I'm like, like, she's very- such a bitch. Bah, 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 bah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, but wait. So I thought, I guess I thought that you like went to like, or no. Well, I guess you just like had, were you just doing lots of plays? No, I like, so through university, I was still doing like little bits of voiceover, but nothing much and still felt quite embarrassed to be like, I'm going to be an actor. Cause you're like, I don't know anyone that's done that as an actual career. And uh, uh, it's embarrassing. Um, but then I finished university and I applied for drama school and did terribly. But you did go to drama school. I did. Okay, because I was like a bad no. journalist for a second. Like I was no, asking you about did. drama school. Like you, you didn't did. go. No, so you did go. I did. I went to the Oxford School of Drama. I did their foundation course. Claire Foy went there. Ah. Yes. So bitch. I know. She's, she's not a bitch. She's like that bitch. Yeah, and she's like, I've never met her, but she was like the girl when I was there. They were like, this girl, Claire Foy, she's going to be huge. This was a long time before the crown or anything. But yeah, she's so amazing. She's brilliant. So she went there. Um, I did like a foundation course for like six months. Did not get then back in and into their full time course. Ew. Went home. I was um, a receptionist in a physio clinic. I've had a lot of very interesting jobs. Um, Do you need some kinesio tape? Yeah. (laughs) I used to hear people like shouting in the room. I had my own little office and I used to hear people like getting their back cracked and they'd be like, ah, no. Yeah, and I used to like, yeah, I used to leave them the Food Network <laughs> all the time. I'm like, do 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 on my computer. And that was my job. And then I got back into drama school to do a master's course in Birmingham, which is now called Royal Birmingham Conservatoire. Oh, I love that. I know. It wasn't called that one. When I was there, it was called Birmingham School of Acting. It's less fancy. But That's now I'm like, curious. I went to the Conservatoire. You might have heard of it. The Conservatoire, yeah. So in, in, in that time when you were doing those schools, like what, like, what was that experience like? Because you had already been doing, you know, like some work. Did you feel like you were like learning a lot? Were you getting like kind of pushed and stretched? Did you feel like you were like really learning your craft or like the yeah, history? Like I did. I think it's like a time when I really felt like I found my tribe. Like I met Camilla there. Who you've you met. did? I, I love did. Camilla. I know. She's so amazing. So we were in the same group, um, one of my best friends. And we just, I was like, oh, this is definitely what I want to do. I was like, always thought it was what I want to do as a career, but it's for sure you know it but then I realized how difficult it was and it's so competitive and there's a book called Spotlight Graduates which has like every graduate from the top drama schools each year and I look through it and it like a couple of times like every year like once or twice um and just to see the amount of people that are not working it's like oh god and it's not that they're not talented it's not that they it's just hard it's so hard it's just any young people that want to get into it, I'm like oh just be careful it's just difficult you don't I want anyone think, to see they got their heart broken but you know what I think I mean it is so difficult yeah but I do feel like it the more I see the more I think that if because there are so few roles and it is oh so God. limited, like the diversity in like the space is so limited. But I feel like a lot yeah. of the diversity in the space that is getting created, it's by creators themselves. Definitely. It's not because like studios are like, let's do more of this or that. It's like I think creators are getting more like people are creating their own things don't happen by accident. They really, really don't. Like, I'm on a show right now that is, like, consciously diverse. And there's an amazing actor in it called Adjoa Ando. And she is playing this, like, essentially like a real Maggie Smith and Downton type character. Like, fierce older woman, like, beyond. So great. But we were talking about how in the press, like, it, it's, it was colorblind casting in the show. The show's set in 1813 in Regency, London. 
And Wait, what is it? It's called Bridgerton, darling. Oh. Um, Netflix original out 2020. Ah, okay, so a, we veered into Bridgerton. Yeah. Okay, fears. Um, but she's, so we were talking about, you know, we want to like represent it best as best we can and speak not for the actors of colour in our cast, but like be fully supportive of them. And we, we were like, is it just the best actors for the role? And she was like, it's not that. It has to be more than that because it has to, we need to make conscious change. And I think that's so right. We can't just be like, oh, well, I guess they will fit in. You've got to make space for people. And it's like all those like, you know, nominations the other day and people are so disheartened. I'm like, yeah, it's really fucking disheartening for people that you think, like I'm complaining about being like, if you want to say like a middle class white woman going, it's really hard for me to find roles. Like how much harder is it for like young women of color to find roles like a billion times harder than it is for me. Do you know what I mean? So we've got to like, you know, step up on the ladder and then clear a shit ton of space for everybody to get up as well. Yeah. And I, think. I also just think that like the way that studios and it's like, it's all about like funding and like where the money comes from. Mm-hmm. And I think that people are just so, um, uh, not trusting any uh, anyone outside of like these like five yeah. g- you know boys club directors Massively. It's like, and yes they know how to tell a story nothing w- taking away from their stories Absolutely. but there's no there's no incentive or reward for anyone to take a chance and and I think no. someone had to take a chance on all those people you know at, at some point or maybe who knows but I mean I, we need more I mean the, the no female directors this year I think is staggering there's so many incredible films that are directed by women it's such a joke and it's just like I can see how if I you know these young people would look and go well these people are at the top of their game and they didn't even award nominations or not everything of course but it is just like a reflection it's yeah it is really disheartening but there is totally space so but wait back to you <laughs> so you so you finish your school and then so then you're like you're in London I moved down to London from Birmingham and I had the worst time of my life it sucked so hard. Because you were just like a because you were just like a little baby and you're just like new to London. Yeah, like, I found it really difficult and I was so lonely. And that's one thing that I like really made a conscious effort to like after that period of time I was like, I've gotta like make friends. I'm gonna make sure I'm gonna make an effort. Because I think we sometimes sometimes like they neck we neglect friendships. You know, where like people like get all in on relationships, but I'm like, I'm gonna be a good ass friend and I'm gonna make friends and I'm gonna nurture these things. Cause I was so lonely when I moved. And that was one of the killer things for me. I was like, I don't like it here because I don't know anyone and I used to let that like city like the whole like rat race thing really get to me like you know also like I'm little so like I was on the tube and people were like putting their elbows on my head yeah <laughs> and I was going into work being like really sad and like uh, like yeah it just sucked that first year totally sucked I hated it <laughs> no um, no we no, more so um so it was difficult for you first. So did that change? I mean, did you did you make that concern? Not immediately. No, it took honestly about four years. Four. Yeah, I like left London because I was like, this is not happening. I had no. I auditions. think it takes two. I think it always takes it. Oh, geez, it always takes at least two years. I think anytime yeah. you move, at least of like really trying and trying. You got to settle. It takes yeah. time. You need people. It's the people around you. Like no matter if you live in like you know the most gorgeous palace in the world, if you don't have good people, you might as well live in a toilet. Yeah, it doesn't make any difference. Yeah, no. I like had moved back home I was like totally given up I was like this is not going to happen and then I saw have you heard of the Old Vic Theatre? No Really beautiful theatre one of the oldest in London they had an open audition it never happens I was back in Galway I was working in an opticians an optometrist is what you call them these days, yes right? so if you ever have wonky glasses just give them to me and I will just like ah. I'll fix them for you so I was working there two days a week and I saw this open audition I was like I'm going to go but I was like, I have to buy the flight. And I was like, I don't have any money. What am I doing? This is an open call. Why is this really stupid? I went and I auditioned. They saw like 1,500 actors. They picked seven people. I got one of the seven spots. Ugh. But this was like 
the three, four years out of drama school, I want to say. And then that turned out to be this beautiful, beautiful play called Jess and Joe Forever. It was about um, a young girl and a trans boy. That's a massive spoiler for anyone that reads the play. I'm sorry, but it's so beautiful. You should read it anyway. But it was their love story about them growing up. And it was just the most beautiful, magical thing written by a girl called Zoe Cooper, who I adore. Um, it was written from a lot of her own experiences. And then that play then got taken on to another theatre in London. And then this beautiful Asian called Emma Higginbottom <laughs> came and saw me. She sat in the next room. But she came and saw me and signed me. And that like changed everything. My first audition with her was Dairy Girls. Oh my gosh. Mm. What an example of like, you only need one yes. Yeah, you need someone like to back you. And like, I feel so lucky with her. Like, I just, I'm like, she has my back and I'm like, yeah. But it's like, but yeah. you getting that audition, like, like yeah, following it, your gut, getting that, getting one of those seven spots, like that was the yes. That, I saw like, a tweet. I was like, saw a tweet and I was like, I'm playing. And those spots fill up like that. They fill up so fast because there's way too many actors and not enough roles. And it was just total... I, I always think it's such a sliding doors moment. I don't know yeah. what I'd be doing if I didn't see that tweet. Getting a team that believes in you, especially, is so important. Yes. You, uh, you have to have someone that believes in you. So then you booked Dairy Girls. That was your first thing. So you yeah. booked that. Um, if you haven't seen Dairy Girls, it is so incredible. It's so heartwarming. It's so funny. I think the comedy and the timing is better than the heartwarming. I mean, it really is so funny. And it's so funny. The script is like perfect it doesn't have like a spare moment in it honestly so give someone a recap without any spoilers okay so it's set in 1994 in this catholic girls school in Derry which is in northern ireland so people call it either Derry if they're catholic or london Derry if they're protestant that's really massive oversimplification of a whole thing but um it's about these four girls and an english boy and they're navigating school and all of these things in the mid 90s so it's got a lot of like like an amazing like 90s soundtrack and like the look and I look completely hideous in it. They, I'm always like going to my trailer. I'm like, I'm going to dress like a giant baby again. But <laughs> Kathy Pryor, who's our costume designer, I'm like, I'll wear anything for her. And she knows that. So there's always like these massive, like they gave me these teddy bear earmuffs. And I was like, oh my God, uh-huh. I already look like a giant baby. So <laughs> it's not like helpful. But um, it's um, produced by women, written by a woman. It was commissioned by a lady called Funa McDermott at Channel 4. It's And it was just like, I got the script and I was like, I've never seen young women written like this. Like, it reminded me of Bridesmaids. I was like, these women are allowed to be, like, funny and gross and, like, full personalities and they're obsessed with one another and it's not about, it's not like a high school thing about just finding a boy or la da 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 It just felt so original and amazing and I wanted it so bad from when I first read it. But I had that, like, did you get that with Queer Eye where you're, like, just something about it, you're like, oh, this, I'm getting this. I was, no, I don't know. I wanted it so bad, but I, yeah. I was so scared I wasn't going to get it. And Same. I couldn't really, like, even fathom, like, really getting it. And, mm. and But I guess I did have a little piece of me that was like, I meant for this. Like I, I felt, felt like, like that, too. I think there's something in that when you're like, it just is right. I don't know what it is. I don't know why, but I was like, this is going to be the thing. I don't know. So you finished season two. Finished season two, yes. Um, and the uh, season Season three is coming. Yes. Is it in the can? Meaning like, is it like... We have not made it yet. We are making it. Are making it. They're being super... They're like, you're not allowed to say when we're filming. I'm like, okay. Got it. We will be But we have not started. We have not started yet because I'm Literally... Oh, I'm still filming. We're telling you, you are. You're so fucking booked and busy, girl. It's not your fault. She's what? Booked. She's why? Busy. Yes, she is. You cannot help it. What does it feel like? You were in London, like, like you know, not that many years ago, like no. very lonely, like you'd moved back and now you're on like 
you're doing two massive it's insane. projects. Like I get like I always like try and remember. I think one of the most important things in life is gratitude above anything else. Because I feel like you've got to appreciate the good when it comes. There's a lot of hard things in life. And if you don't like sit down and go, you're really fucking lucky that you're doing this. And I think I have a little moment every day where I go, oh my God, I'm really doing this. I'm so grateful for it. I just, I always remind myself, I know how, I know how lucky I am. It's insane. So as, has doing the show Dairy Girls like changed your perspective on, because I mean, I the character that you're playing is older than you were in 94. Because like in 94, yes, you were like. I was seven. So yeah. we're the same age. So I was seven. Yeah. So and the character that you're playing is like in high. She started at, she was 16. So she's like my sister, my actual sister. You've met Clodagh. She's her age. So did you like talk to her at all about like what yeah. her experiences were like? And I remember her and her friends at that time and they totally dressed like that and were into all that music. So I remember the time but it's really fun to step back into it and the whole and the way they do it it's so true to the era even if it is horribly unflattering sometimes the clothes but it's super I love it so not to like bring up the troubles for the last like four seconds because okay. we talk so much British history but so like so basically is it correct I think your sister just taught me this so yes basically in like the 30s or the six, like 19s? So it was 60s that the trouble sort of started in Northern Ireland. So Northern Ireland, there's 32 counties on the island of Ireland. There's six in Northern Ireland. It's Derry, Antrim, Down, Fermanagh, Armagh, Tyrone. I hope I've said all those right. And those were... And they, they are basically ruled by the United Kingdom. So when so when those people all got together in Dublin, they became martyrs and then the and they in Ireland kids Britain out and yeah. stuff. Britain like cleared out of Ireland except for those the like six. six counties because a lot of... Oh God, I'm explaining. Was but was there still Basically, some people in the north who like wanted to? Yes, they wanted to leave, but some wanted to stay too. Like there was both. In yes, the north. It, I mean you don't want to say it's like a fifty-fifty split, but there's like the nationalists and then the republicans. So the unionists who want to remain part of of Great Britain, and then the republicans who want to be part of the republic. So it's an ongoing thing. But, but Ireland it, was much more on the like the, the rest of Ireland so was the much other, more republican. Yes, it yes. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there weren't. Yeah. Yeah, like, like overwhelmingly yeah, so, obviously. Yeah. So then, in, but in Northern Ireland, like it wasn't. So then in the 60s, the Troubles started. And yeah, and it's really, I mean, it's. Was that because some people in the Troubles wanted to join Ireland or was it the Troubles starting to stay in the It was a lot Kingdom? to do with the British Army being there and sort of patrolling the streets and sort of, it's really, really complicated history and it's very, I'll, I'll bring you, actually, I'm going to bring you up when we're filming again so you can see, but there's murals everywhere, all over the streets of like, about what, you know, what side people are on, like, whether they support the British and you'll see the poppies everywhere and then you'll see the tricolor Irish flag on some places and, you know, it's all, I think it's changing, but it certainly hit ahead and there was, you know, oh God, I don't know how many civilian murders, thousands of civilian murders and then Bloody From, Sunday, which happened in Derry and... What was Bloody Sunday? Bloody Sunday was basically a civil rights march that was happening in Derry and the British Army opened fire and murdered, um, I don't know the number of civilians, I would hate to say and get it wrong, but it was like a real like atrocity that happened there. Yeah. Um, and you'll see a lot of murals there that are, you know, dedicated to the people who died as part of the Troubles and Derry Girls have said it's sort of the tail end of them, so it starts in 94 when, you know, things were getting better and Bill Clinton was a huge part of the peace process there and, you know, decommissioning the arms and all that stuff because a lot of the arms came in from the States, I think why they got kind of so involved in it. But yeah, and there was a scene in the last episode of series two where Bill Clinton came to Derry and delivered this speech um, about, you know, about the troubles and about people finding peace and all this stuff. And it's really prescient now. It's crazy. I mean, unfortunately, so the way things are going. Do you yeah. think that's, well, I mean, obviously that was like part of too, like with the Brexit dealing, there was like such a big yeah. deal because like to figure out like what that border was going to be was like, it, yeah. it's just because all of that, all that wounding and all of that 
bloodshed is still really fresh. It's still really fresh. And there's been some, I mean, not a huge resurgence and you would hope it would stop, but there's been some, you know, there was an awful murder of this young journalist called Lyra McKee. Yes. Um, you know, all of that happening. And it's just the people in Derry, when you go there, it's a really joyous place. It's one of the most mel- welcoming places. People are so sweet. They deserve a lot better than to be used as like a pawn in like Westminster's Brexit. And it's really sickening because you think you've never gone there. You've never met those people. You don't know how it's going to affect their day-to-day life. You can't just stick a border up there. You know, it's just, it's, yeah, it makes me really cross. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, what do you see? Do you, what do you see as like as? In, I just think you have a very interesting position, like having like you're playing in this show. You're from Ireland, living in Britain. What do you see as like? What's your hope? I don't know. I mean, it's weird because I'm not from uh, Northern Ireland, from the Republic, so never grew up with the troubles. Didn't know, like learned about it in school, whatever. But you, it's not first hand experience. I would never claim it to be. But then becoming so connected to Derry, and I always will be now. And just knowing all my friends are from there, like Saoirse and Jamie Lee from the show who are from there and grew up there and their families are there. I just want a lot better. And then, you know, as an Irish person living in London, and when I first moved moved over here, like I worked in, uh, you know, a soap shop, I worked in a restaurant, I worked in. So I worked with all EU immigrants. I didn't like work with a lot of British people. And I'm like, and they want to talk about a points grace immigration system and stuff. And I'm like, but though, I wouldn't maybe have been led into the country. And I wanted to like follow my dreams here, but that's that takes time. That doesn't happen overnight. I didn't, you know, so I don't know. I just, oh God, I, I mean, I don't, I'm not, I don't like Brexit. I think it's a disaster. I think it's so divisive. I think this country was split right down the middle. Like we, you know, those two referendums that we had in Ireland, whatever, you know, side you fell on, at least you could say you were informed. And the government, I think, ensured that people really were informed. Whereas Brexit, they did not have a plan. It was insane. It was such, you know, it I just think David Cameron, he just should be so ashamed of like splitting this country the way he has. It's because I moved here first, 2008, and I feel it becoming more and more and more divided and more, you know, we're on this side and this side, like it just sucks. So I hope we will be able to come together and that people who, you know, like I did come to this country for opportunities, get to have those opportunities. And oh, well, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Mm. But I mean, for do you... Oh. Oh, oh, okay, right, right. Um, uh, Nicola, ah, I love you so I much. Love you so much. You're the most amazing. I love you. You're Thanks just for telling us everything. A darling person, and I want everyone to know everyone listening to this. You are just as wonderful in real life, if not more. And you're just gorgeous and darling, and I love no, you. No, you're the most darling, gorgeous. I can't wait to see everything you do. I can't wait to see Bridgerton. I can't wait to see <laughs> series three of Dairy Girls. You're just so amazing. Thank you so much for everything. Love you. Oh, we have to have you back. We even talked about it so much. Okay, I love you so much. Bye. You've been listening to Getting Curious with me, Jonathan Van Ness. My guest this week was Nicola Coughlin. You'll find links to her work in the episode description of wherever you're listening to the show on. Our theme music is Freak by Quinn. Thank you so much to her for letting us use it. If you enjoyed our show, introduce a friend and show them how to subscribe, honey. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at CuriousWithJVN. Our socials are run and curated by Emily Bosick. Getting Curious is produced by me, Julie Carrillo, Emily Bosick, Ray Ellis, Chelsea Jacobson, and Colin Anderson. Catch you next time on Getting Curious. Love y'all mean it. Bye. Bye.